Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now save $30 on the American-made steel FS56 RCE trimmer. Real steel. The FS56 RCE is made in America of U.S. and global materials. Offer valid through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Live from the 6th and Peabody studio and across the OutKick network, this is OutKick 360 with Jonathan Hutton, Chad Withrow, and Paul Kuharski. Sweet 16 action coming up in about two hours on the Friday evening for you. We'll get a full preview coming up in 20 minutes. OutKick 360 rolls on. Final hour is here. Sixth and Peabody, our location with Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine with Chad Withrow and Paul Kaharski. I'm Jonathan Hutton. David Reed's the chairman of the board, uh, making it happen for us. Entire cast and crew behind the scenes for OutKick, always doing phenomenal work. Same goes for Brent Hubbs of VolQuest.com. Uh, he and Austin Price join us weekly to discuss the latest happenings on the Hill in Knoxville and Plenty of headlines as spring practice is underway, but Chad, we got a five-star to discuss. Five-star quarterback to discuss for Josh Heupel and staff. Nico Iamaleava is the name, and Austin Price and Brent Hubs are here to talk about it. Austin, we'll start with you on this. I, I got a chance to interview Nico earlier this week. Very likable kid. Um, the groundwork that goes into landing a quarterback prospect of this caliber is immense. From your perspective, what does the actual landing of this player mean for Tennessee recruiting now moving forward? It's a big deal. I mean, to think otherwise um, would be wrong. I mean, I, I just feel like ultimately Nico's commitment makes Tennessee the cool school. I mean, you hear, you're hearing more and more prospects tweet about Tennessee, talk about Tennessee, uh, you know, and just there's a buzz around Tennessee recruiting right now. Again, when you land any type of player that has this kind of uh, following, has this kind of ranking, has this type of, uh, you know, kind of aura around him, it's naturally going to give you a boost in recruiting. And that's what it's done for Josh Heupel and Tennessee. It's a huge get for Tennessee from an on-the-field perspective as they continue to build out their program. But it also helps build that program because other top players all of a sudden go, wait a minute. I need to look at Tennessee here for a second before I do anything. And I think that's, you know, the one thing I've noticed is you see more and more players, you know, that maybe weren't talking about Tennessee at all. I mean, Cornell Tate and Kyler Casper were talking about Tennessee, okay? But there have been a few other players that were like, okay, wait wait a minute. You know, maybe I need to take give Tennessee a look. And we'll see if that translates to visits. Obviously, right now it's translating to a lot of buzz, and that's a good thing for Tennessee. And, Brent, I know you wrote about Peyton Manning you know, in 94 and how big that was for the Tennessee program from a perception standpoint, I was shocked to find out when interviewing Nico that he hasn't even spoken to Peyton Manning yet on the phone or in person, says he hopes to get to meet him soon, but that's a pretty big comparison uh, when you look at the two announcements with the two quarterbacks. Well, and here's why then, here's the comparison, and it has nothing to do with them on the field, okay? I, we don't know what Nico's going to be. Obviously, when you start mentioning Peyton Manning, you're talking about Hall of Famers. The comparison is the perception, and the perception and the gauntlet kind of mentioned to other schools out there. When Tennessee landed Peyton Manning, that was kind of the unthinkable, right? I mean, Tennessee beat out, you look at the schools they beat out. Florida State was a cooler school at that point. Florida had Steve Spurrier in the fun and gun. 
There was the, the tradition of Notre Dame, Michigan. Uh, of course, Ole Miss, you know, had probation, which hurt them. But Tennessee did not have a tie to, to Peyton Manning. His dad didn't play. His uncle didn't play. There was nothing that tied Tennessee to, to Peyton Manning. And that's the case with Nico. There's no tie when you look at this. This is not a Josh, you know, his high school coach played for Josh Heupel or was a teammate of Josh Heupel's. When you look at some of the big name guys that Tennessee has signed through the year that's gotten everybody's attention, Eric Berry. Dad was a leading rusher and a captain on the football team at Tennessee. Khalil McKenzie. Dad and uncle played at Tennessee. A lot of those high-profile guys, there was a tie. When you look at this one, there's no tie. And the perception in 1994 when Tennessee signed Peyton Manning was, the rest of the SEC said, whoa, wait a minute. Tennessee's making a big move in recruiting, okay? A big-time move in rankings. This one generates that kind of buzz with coaches and schools around the country, in my opinion. And and to piggyback that with with, with Brent's thought, and, and I think Brent will agree here, the difference between 94 and now, is Tennessee had, had had success. I mean, you go back, they won it, you know, they won to share the SEC in 1991, uh, won a Sugar Bowl in 91. Tennessee's not had any success. To, so the magnitude of this one maybe is even bigger than Peyton because you were still had quality players um, that you had brought in there in the early 90s. This is the first really kind of big time quarterback you you signed in, in quite a while. That's no, you know, you know, Hendon Hooker's a great quarterback, but he didn't, you know, he didn't start here and he wasn't a, a this highly ranked coming out of high school. Um, so, you know, th- this is a huge deal in so many aspects, both around the program, inside the program, and in recruiting. Guys, as you know, um, recruiting, a, a daily process, a daily work here. Um, you guys get the sense that this is a firm commitment or does the recruiting actually really start now because teams will continue to go after Nico? Well, no kid's ever firm until they sign. But it, I think this is as firm as you can be. I really think that the family is is totally bought in. And ultimately, you know, dad, which is Big Nick, Nico, Madden, they all love Tennessee in November. And the staff did a really good job of continuing to recruit him throughout, you know, December, January, February. But it was when mom and Nori, which is the, the youngest of the siblings, there are eight siblings, um, and when, when they came to town and saw it, that's what really helped sell it. Because when they got back home, Big Nick told me that 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 Mama did, did not wipe the smile off of her face for several days. I mean, she she was she was smitten with Tennessee. She loved everything about it. She felt very comfortable with everyone here, and that's what kind of made made them accelerate the decision making process because they had planned to go back to Oregon, to go back to Tennessee again in April, which they are doing, um, you know, to go to maybe see a few other schools like Alabama or Georgia. But, you know, they were done after that. And, and you know, so, yeah, I mean, to me, as solid as one can be without having signed. So I, I don't mean to play the role of wet blanket here uh, with Tennessee and their program, but their offense is set up to be great. There's no doubt about it. Josh Heupel, great offensive coach, great offensive mind good in-game play caller, they're getting good offensive talent. But the issue in the SEC is Alabama's getting the same level of offensive talent, but they're also getting a bunch of five stars on defense. Georgia is getting the same level of offensive talent, and they're getting the same level of four- and five-star player on defense year in and year out. So the question now becomes, can Tennessee recruit anywhere close to this offensive level on the defensive side with Rodney Garner? with Tim Banks on that side of the football. Um, 
either one of you guys that want to take this, what do you think about Tennessee now moving forward, recruiting the defensive side of the ball, and just what they need to complement that offense that we know is probably going to put up a lot of points? Well, Brentley, they need a lot. I mean, you know, I think the biggest thing is you don't have to have top 10 players on defense, Brent. But if you start talking about Caleb Herring, top 100 player, Christian Conyers, top 250 player, you know, Jeremiah T. Lander. I think Tennessee's right at the top along with Clemson for Vic Burley, defensive lineman who's a top 100 player. You can recruit quality defensive guys, Brent, and I think they're, they are either at the top or near the top for a lot of quality players that they could land over the next few months. Well, and I would say this too. I mean, we talk about Nico's influence potentially with wide receiver Kyler Casper out of Arizona and five-star receiver, four-star receiver Carnell Tate, who's originally from Chicago that's playing down in Bradenton, Florida. Both those guys, as Austin mentioned, will be here April the 9th. Nico's commitment has an influence on defensive guys as well, but because guys want to go play where other really good players are, okay? I mean, that's that's the fact of the matter. I mean, it's no secret that, you know, peer recruiting is a big deal. You put your best players out there recruiting the best prospects that you have coming in, regardless of position. So it's not like Nico's only focus is going to be, I'm only talking to receivers. He'll talk to Vic Burley. He's going to talk to these other guys and say, hey, come join me. And what happened is a lot of times that's how a class kind of takes off. And that's what you're hoping happens here. Tennessee's done a really good job um, with this class. They were behind the eight ball with the last class. I think they've done a much better job getting themselves in a position this year uh, there's tangible proof of what they want to be on defense. Uh, there's an example instead of saying, hey, we're going to be multiple. Hey, we're going to be aggressive. We're, we're going to play on the other side of the line of scrimmage. You can take a kid in the office, turn on the tape and say, hey, here's what you would do if you played the Leo position for us or if you played the three technique for us. This is what it is. There's no, there's no talking about what it might look like. Here's what it is. I think that helps you recruit players as well. Obviously, getting weight and muscle on him is, is going to be a priority. Do, do UT's weight and strength guys immediately start talking to him on Zoom, sending him stuff? How, how does that process work at this early stage with a guy? I don't think they would be involved that early, Brent. I, I think that's something you would see them try to be involved in. Maybe after his high school year ends, maybe that run-up to – getting here as a midterm enrollee. But a lot of that work to me, Paul, would be done, you know, when he's an early enrollee next January, February, and March before spring practice. They would look to throw on 15 pounds and, you know, you know they want to put the right kind of weight on him. And, uh, yeah, I'm sure there are there is talk, um, much like, you know, they, you know they, they talk about, you know, the offense and then go ahead and, you know, start letting them look at certain things once, you know, a kid's signed. But, you know, I don't know if they go – diving into, you know, here's, here's the diet you need to be on, you know, working on nutrition and, you know, here's the, the certain, you know, things you need to be doing as far as weightlifting. Brent, you had great context with uh, you and Mike Keith both at the site about what the SEC tournament championship meant comparing it to 1979. Where does last Saturday's loss to Michigan rank in terms of March disappointments for Tennessee basketball? Uh, I mean, it's up there because, the, you know, that team was hot and, and that team had played so well. And, uh, you know, there have been other years where Tennessee's gone into the tournament and, and they weren't playing their best basketball. So maybe you weren't completely surprised that there, you know, there were other years where the bracket opened up for you and, and you didn't take full advantage of it. 
Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I think anytime you lose, that there's great disappointment. Is that one greater than blowing a 16-point lead to Ohio State um, in, in the Sweet 16 in, in Texas? I don't know. Is that one greater than blowing a double-digit lead to North Carolina when, when Jerry Green did that? Um, I, I don't know. Is that, is that a greater disappointment than, you know, Ernie and Bernie losing in the NCAA tournament? I don't know. I mean, you know, that, that's a team that it looked like the path was pretty clear for them to the Sweet 16. Um, they, they caught Michigan on a day where Michigan played really well and Tennessee didn't play really well. And I think the more you watch the NCAA tournament where your team is invested, the more you see, um, I don't want to say luck, but there's a lot of good fortune that has to take place to, to get through the NCAA tournament. That all being said, Certainly there's great disappointment that Tennessee was not playing against Villanova last night because I think everybody would agree that Tennessee was the, was overall the better team all year long than Michigan uh, and, and should have won, you know, found a way to win that game, and they couldn't. So there's certainly disappointment in that, no doubt. So Rick Barnes gets the contract extension announced this week. Guys, what do you say to fans that say Rick Barnes is overpaid based on his March output and his tournament record? and that laugh at Tennessee when they see a contract extension and him making more money after another tournament disappointment and comparing and contrasting that with all the regular season success uh, under Rick Barnes. Well, when you win the SEC tournament, Brent, you know, you're going to naturally get an extension. I mean, like, 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 that's just natural. I mean, they, he didn't get a raise. Um, just extended him out by a year. And, um, you know, I, I, my, my message would be pretty simple. I mean, I understand, you know, Tennessee's fans wanting to win in March and win, you know, NCAA tournament games and make a Final Four and, you know, make it past the first weekend and all that. But I would also say be careful what you wish for, too, because this is a basketball program that, while it's got a lot of positives to it, has had tendencies at times with the wrong coach to just be average. And you're not average under Rick Barnes. You're better than average. And, you know, I think, again, be careful what you wish for. Um, you know, I'm not saying this is like Philip Fulmer uh, in 2008, but at the same time, you know, Rick's doing a lot of good things. Sure, he wants to win in March just as much as the fans do. Like, you don't think he's disappointed? You think he's happy to be home? You know, I mean, I, I, I'm with you. Like, I mean, I, I understand the disappointment, but, you know, it could be a lot worse too. Austin Price and Brent Hubbs of AllQuest.com have been our guests. I, I was just curious about Danny White's bonus structure. You guys wrote very specifically about it, the 1% for, for certain things, the 2% for certain things. Is that common or, or unconventional? I think that specific, that's a little bit uncommon. Um, the interesting thing about the, that, that bonus structure is he, he maxes out at $300,000, so it's not like he can get – a million dollars in bonuses or anything like that. So even if they, if both the, the, the men's and the women's team won a national championship and football was in the playoff and his bonus structure looked like it would pay him five or $600,000, $700,000, that's not going to be the case. It maxes out at 300,000, but that's, a, that's a nice contract Danny White's got. I mean, you got a 5% automatic pay raise every year. So, so he's making, um, $80,000 more this year than he made last year, just not, not bonuses or anything. That's just an automatic, regardless of how the department's doing, he gets that automatic rollover and that contract stays whole at five years every year. Um, he arguably has the best contract or one of the best contracts of any AD in the country. There's no doubt about that. Yeah. Okay. I, I got you. All right. Yep. All right. I just got confirmation. Um, 
Uh, I've just signed on with Danny White's agent, so Brent, uh, we'll be needing to talk next. <laughs> Automatic raises uh, around VolQuest right now. That's uh, that's quite the contracts that uh, that Brent hands out there. Uh, VolQuest has has <laughs> all. Trust me, I'm I'm not giving out Randy Boyd style contracts for <laughs> athletic directors. I can promise I can promise you that. I mean, it's the and look, I think Danny White's doing a doing a, a solid job and a good job at Tennessee. I, I think. He inherited a department that was actually more stable than people think outside of the world of football. Okay, football was a disaster, which is why he's here. The rest of that department was pretty stable when, when he arrived, and and it's being, you know, was having success in a lot of places. And uh, like I said, he he got a contract that I think a lot of ads around the country would love to have right now. Well, we Austin's not getting one. Hey, well, <laughs> there's not much more you can give Austin. You've already handed him uh, the the guaranteed membership at, at Atlanta Atlanta Athletic Club. And so. He also gets to travel everywhere. I mean, look yeah. up. The guy's always posting Instagram photos from parts unknown <laughs> across the country, and, and dare I say, even the globe. Uh, he's he's everywhere every week. No doubt. I can't. I I, I can't wait to go to Arizona. <laughs> guys thank you as always great work and i will say uh for the latest on spring practice a two-minute drill and much more go to volquest.com for the latest there guys thank you we'll catch up next week thanks appreciate it guys thank you thanks, brent guys. hubs and austin price there volquest.com coming up tom barton of the uh, sports garden network uh, about to join us we're going to go uh in a big preview of all things sweet 16 for tonight's matchups the four games on the slate to determine the Elite Eight. We've got that next on Outkick 360. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Sweet 16 continues tonight. Starting with Purdue and St. Peter's, Outkick 360 rolls on. Here's your full schedule. Uh, just after 7 o'clock, you'll see Purdue and St. Peter's, the updated spread, Purdue favored by 13. Uh, meanwhile, Kansas and Providence uh, should it's be a, a pretty fan- graphic. fantastic Very matchup. Colorful. Jayhawks Pleasing favored by 7. Uh, UCLA and UNC, uh, classic throwback matchup here uh, where you've got the two teams who have combined for 17 national titles. And uh, the nightcapper, Miami and Iowa State, around 9.45 Eastern or so uh, for that tip-off. We welcome in Tom Barton of Sports Garden Network uh, for some analysis and perspective on tonight's matchups. You can follow him on Twitter, at Tom Barton Sports. Tom, good to see you, man. Hope things are well. Uh, things are great. Excellent. I'm really, really enjoying the tournament. I spent it down in Atlantic City uh, last weekend, so I'm back home, but uh, it's been a great tournament so far. How are you up right now? Are you are things going well? Things are going well. Yeah, okay. I hit my, my biggest games on Sunday night, which was nice, and I had Villanova last night. Only one game for me yesterday, and Villanova, I had one game today. So I take it easy, but you know, we're, we're up a lot of units so far. Tom, what, what's the scene like in Atlantic City uh, during the tournament? I see all these posts from pools and <laughs> sports books and Vegas and everything else. You don't often get the Atlantic City vibe uh, during tournament time. What, what was that experience like? 
Yeah, I used to go to Vegas a lot. Now, look, I love Vegas, but um, it, I sit in the sports book for 14 hours, you know, so it really doesn't matter to me. It, it's a cool experience. If anybody's never gone, go down to Vegas, go, go there, go to a couple of buddies. Everyone's cheering. You go to the next game. Well, we're all cheering again. It, it's, it's almost like being at the game, except you're all with betters. So, uh, you know, you're all rooting for sort of the same thing. You find your group of guys that are on that game. Next game, they might be against you, but it's a really fun time to just sit devote 12, 14 hours to it and really enjoy that first opening weekend is really the weekend you want to be there. Tom Barton with us on Outkick 360. All right, Tom, we're going to go through game by game uh, with our game previews. And then at the end of our chat, we're going to get your perspective on how you view this compared to if we're idiots or not here. Um, Let's start with Purdue and St. Peter's, guys, because on paper, this feels like it could be, you know, past this double-digit spread. And when you see the matchup, here's here's the unknown for me, though. And it's the unknown of the NCAA tournament in any game across college basketball. How is this game going to be officiated? Because against Murray State, St. Peter's drew 24 fouls and they shot 31 free throws. They won that game. They had no, no, uh, no problem beating Murray State, who was cold. Uh, Chad, I lean towards what you were saying earlier today. I, I lean Purdue covering in this matchup. In the Sweet 16. Well, and I, I'm way more interested in what Tom has to say about this game, but it's one of those where it's whatever strength you want to focus on for me. I'm focusing on Purdue's strength with Jaden Ivey being able to go get a basket, but their size advantage. Edie. Uh, yeah, with, with Edie down low. But also, if you want to look at the St. Peter's side, Paul, something you know, you've talked about with this team also, Purdue's at a disadvantage defending pick and roll. Uh, the way they're going to pull those big guys out and be able to do some things with them. So you could also focus on that. I like Purdue big in this game, but Paul, you're you're Mr. Peacock. Well, I, I've been Mr. Peacock, but I, I feel like Purdue's size gets them shots close to the basket that, that would wear down St. Peter's, I, I would figure. And these Cinderella stories have a tendency to end come the Sweet 16. Purdue's offense ranks in the top 15 nationally in practically every category. Tom, how do you see this game uh, where we've, we've certainly been uh, bet against the Peacocks so far in this tournament? Should we do it again, or do you lean St. Peter's way in this Who's matchup? the idiot amongst us, Paul? I'm oh, sorry, Tom. Go yeah. ahead. Tell us. Who's he the just idiot? told you yeah, who I'll, he thinks the idiot is. <laughs> I'll be honest. Look, you guys said it. You know, We've had two teams get this far uh, you know, into the Sweet 16 that were this seeded, and they both lost by 12 points. I think the line is very sharp. Look, St. Peter's defense is like 11th nationally. That's pretty good. I know they come from a small conference, but look, that's reality. Purdue's going to have to hit their outside shots, which they always seem to do. I don't think it's down low. You guys made a great point. I did this when I previewed Yale-Purdue. The pick and roll could beat them all day, and Swain in that Yale game actually had a really good game in the first half. They just defensively were able to shut it down. Everyone looks at Purdue's offense. Purdue's defense is actually 87th in adjusted efficiency. I think that's going to be the difference here. I can't touch this game. I think there's a really sharp line. Wouldn't shock me if it lands on 12 and the people that get 12 and a half, uh, you know, are feeling good. The people that got this early at 12, maybe not so feeling so Chad, good. Chad, your parlay comes I'll down to this game, I'll be cashing out right? of my parlay right now based on Tom's <laughs> advice. So thank you. That was all I needed. That was a little tipping point. I need to go ahead and cash out. Uh, the, I, I'm closing out a parlay with this game, and I'll be cashing out of that parlay right now. Kansas and Providence, uh, the second matchup of the, the first game on TBS this evening. Providence looking to make their first Elite Eight since Pete Gillen was head coach. 
Ed who, Cooley against Bill Self. Uh, by the way, Pete Cullen is a lot. Right? <laughs> he is just want to clarify. Uh, b- b- don't listen to Rex Chapman again? on this. Oh, he's got him Rex bad? Chapman said R.I.P. Yeah. <laughs> Pete Gillen. Pete Gillen, rest in peace. <laughs> and immediately Twitter's like, well, Pete Gillen's alive and calling games <laughs> right now. Oh, it's so That's bad. bad. Uh, the Jayhawks averaged 78 points per game this season. And meanwhile, you've got the, the, the Friars defense who has played a factor to this point, too. I, I, I lean Providence um, in this a, a seven-point spread, as we just showed you on the graphic here. I think this is a tight matchup, just as we saw the, uh, the other one seeds last night. Uh, it is hard for me to go against the Friars, Chad, because I've done it to this point. I've overlooked them the way others have been overlooking Houston, and I've been burning my bracket because of it and at FanDuel. Well, I look down at FanDuel right now, and now my damn cash out's unavailable. He's <laughs> uh, <laughs> so, back in. Uh, yeah, now I'm distracted. Uh, Al Durham's a really good player. I've yeah. been high on Providence Fearless. all year. This is one of the few Sweet 16 matchups I actually had right in my bracket with these two teams going head-to-head. Uh, I, I'm not touching this game. I think Kansas wins, but uh, I think it's very, very close. Kansas, by the way, now the betting favorite to win it all. They beat Creighton. Uh, you know, Creighton sh- shot what 35 percent. They got out muscled, rebounding. But I hate Creighton and Creighton. Paul's Blue Jays. Uh, it, 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 it seems to me to do poorly every, every year. So I, I'm kind of leading Providence, but I think that's kind of the rooter in me more than the factual. Tom, the the Providence defense is is allowing fewer than sixty points in each of their first two games of this tournament. Kansas is a different monster, though. Uh, and you see the points per game, it's right at the spread and right at the line uh, in Vegas uh, from the experts. How do you have it? Uh, Kansas 23rd best overall shooting percentage. You know, it is. You said it's a different animal. But, guys, I think the big key here, you use the word line at the line. How about the line that they're going to have to shoot free throws? Kansas is not very good at free throws, guys. 73% of their free throws. And that might be the difference between a cover or not. They might be up six, seven points. And at the end of the game, they're getting fouled. And, you know, they're trying to get back into this. Look, I think Kansas wins the game. And Kansas is a team that absolutely has the look of a champion right now. But that doesn't mean they're going to cover the spread. I can see them being up five, six points at the end. Betters going, oh, no, they're fouling them. And then Kansas missing a key couple of key free throws down the spread. By the way, you guys mentioned Rex Chapman. I won my bet minus 10 million that he was going to say something ignorant on the air. Uh, yeah, so, so that cash. All he has to do is just literally know uh, about these teams, and he's, he's incapable <laughs> of doing that. Also, he speaks with no inflection whatsoever. Which, yeah, no, it's uh, very difficult to hear him. It's, it's uh, the voice and the way he speaks. I have a hard time when they go from analyst to analyst. I have to pump the volume up to hear whatever he's saying. Yeah, hey, pump, pump it down and don't listen. Tom, do you follow the trends of Providence when they've been the underdog this season? They're eight and one against the spread. Do you follow info yeah. like that? I do, but see, for I, for me, look, I want to take that into consideration. I want to look at past spreads, but reality is I like matchup spreads. You know, I like, I like, how do they defend inside? How do they defend the three pointer? How do they get to the free throw line? I've been against Providence. Like you guys said, I haven't bought into Providence, but what more does this team have to do? I mean, they are the big East champions. They go through everybody. The thing is the way Providence plays just doesn't inspire confidence. And you see Kansas going out there. Like I said, they have a national champion mentality. So it's the optics that really drive the lineup the other way. I, I think Kansas wins, and they probably win by eight, nine points, but it's something it's going to be right there. This is going to be a nail-biter no matter who you have. Well, Tom, I'm, I'm curious. If you're looking at you know matchups and different statistics around those matchups, obviously uh, when, when you're betting, 
Is there one that shines over the other? I brought up the example of I can point to a big advantage for Purdue, and I can point to a big advantage for St. Peter's. Is there something specifically, either based on team or sport, that you look at a little bit closer than others, whether it be defensive efficiency, three-point shooting, whatever? Uh, in basketball, whether it be college or NBA, pace of play is massive to me. Um, when you are looking at these smaller schools, I, I know you said that about St. Pete's. I look at, okay, if they dominate inside, if it's St. Pete's going up against somebody that dominates inside, chances are when they get into these larger schools and, and the teams are longer, they're going to struggle more. They're probably going to be better. You see a lot of these young teams, these, these uh, mid-majors, the Oral Roberts of the world, if they shoot big three-pointers and they live on the outside, well, they could get real hot and give a problem to one of these blue bloods. It's when you start getting down low and you start getting into the efficiency down low with the pace of play, those are the things that I really Tom Barton with us from Sports Garden Network. You can follow him on Twitter at Tom Barton Sports at Sports Garden. That's G A R T E N Sports Garden. Carolina UCLA and just a classic matchup for the NCAA tournament. Uh, Carolina is getting two and a half points. Sixty percent of the money at FanDuel is on uh, Carolina as we chat about this matchup right now. Um, North Carolina has struggled to defend in, in, against NCAA-caliber tournament teams, where this year they're, they were, they're allowing 79 points per game in their last 12 against NCAA-caliber teams. To me, that plays a factor. And UCLA, a team that made the Final Four run a year ago, Chad, we haven't talked about them a, a lot. When, when we did the bracket breakdown, when the brackets were announced, UCLA is among those teams that... We had headed back home after well, the opening John, weekend. Johnny Juzang is still there. He was the hero a year ago. Tiger Campbell may be the best point guard left in this tournament. Same I, could I, be I said, like UCLA, but... Same could be said for Carolina and what I said about UCLA, where you have them yes. maybe not advancing to this point. Well, and UNC certainly the hot team coming into this game, but UCLA coming off a great performance over St. Mary's. Yeah, but both of them. I mean, uh, NC... Uh, survived the big comeback by the defending national champions and, and pulled away, proved a lot in that game. I, I feel like uh, they, they feel a little destined to me to keep going. 60% of the public on, on the Tar Hills, Tom, and uh, the Tar Hills have the size advantage. When you look at this starting lineup, does that give them the advantage for you and how you're playing this? You know, I... I like North Carolina if you buy into them. I, you know, I had Ian O'Connor on uh, Wanna Bet Weekend Edition with me a couple of weeks ago, right before the Coach K game. He just wrote the book on Coach K, and we both said, oh, you know what? This is a game where emotions are going to come out. Well, the UNC emotions kind of came out. And since that game, they've looked like a completely different team. Do you believe in their pure talent? I sort of do. Look, the Bruins don't commit a lot of turnovers, right? I mean, we, we have that. But UCLA also scores, and they're okay. They, they score 75.7 points per game. They're okay getting into an up-and-down running game. There's going to be a lot of three-pointers dropping tonight. Both are bad defensively at the threes. This all comes down to who's able to hit those threes. Right now, North Carolina is red hot. I hate going with the public, and I had UCLA in my final four, but I can't go get over what I've watched with UNC. They just look like a completely different team. They look like a team where it all clicked at the right time. Real quick, guys, there is a little bit of a, a West Coast uh, bias against them. No team from the West Coast has won the tournament here in 25 years. UCLA is the only one left. 39 so, Final Fours between these programs. 25 years. Arizona? You counting Arizona's West Coast as the last national champion? Yeah, that's, a, that's the last one. Yeah, crazy. Miami and Iowa State. 
we had an 11 seed reach the Final Four, speaking of UCLA, a year ago. Um, and, and a matchup here where one of these teams is advancing to the Elite Eight with a chance to make the Final Four run. Iowa State against Wisconsin. That battle, that game barely broke 100 total points. And while I'm not sitting here saying that this is going to be <laughs> – it's going to be a tight game, I'm not saying it's going to be a, a great game for college basketball, right? I think it's kind of a, a boring matchup. But with that in mind, I love the guard play of Miami – and it's hard for me to look away from what they've done, even with teams that have had the size advantage going and opening round of the tournament against USC. I, I like guard play in, in the tournament. And the and turnovers. I, I like – I don't like when you have – Iowa State has three really good scoring options, and all three are very streaky. There's not much consistency with any of those three, uh, but the, they're the type of guys that could get hot and kill you also. I, I like Miami's guards, Wong especially – uh, I really like Miami in this matchup. I mean, you look at those numbers right there. That's awfully even across the board outside of maybe a six-point edge to Miami on free throws. Uh, guard play, guard play, guard play is what we hear in the tournament all the time. Miami certainly got that. Larinaga uh, is, is a good coach. I, I tend to lean Miami here. I just think everybody's been asleep on Iowa State. Oh, yeah. The, the whole tournament and, and coming into this weekend, the one team you've heard absolutely nothing about. Well, this is the game is that's Iowa hidden. State. You know, you sweep this one under the rug. It's like, ah, oh, this will be the, the, the matchup at the end of the, end of the weekend, going yeah. into the weekend. Tom, so here's, here's Iowa State. Both of their games decided by five points. Uh, they get wins over LSU and Wisconsin. Meanwhile, Miami smashed Auburn. How do you go into this game? I got to tell you, you guys sound like you like Miami, and so does the rest of the world. This line opened up at Iowa State minus one. It's up to Miami minus two and a half. I'm seeing 70% of the tickets coming in. A lot of places have gone to Miami minus three. Everyone's loving Miami because, like you said, look, they beat the big bad Auburn. But Iowa State, if their defense is playing the way that they have played, Miami's going to lose this game. I think it's a toss-up. And the line is probably right because you're going to get a lot of public going on that. Miami's defense, it looks good. You know, they're holding opponents under a point per possession over the first consecutive game since January. So we're all looking at different kind of styles. Miami certainly has the better offense, but this Iowa State defense has stepped up. They look really good. Everybody loves Miami for good reason. I get it. But I think we've just discounted Iowa State time and time again this year. Which matchup do you feel most certain about? I, I Look, I like a total. You know, for me, I, I, if on a game like this, on a day like this, where I think Kansas is going to win, not sure they're going to cover. I like Purdue to win, not sure if they're going to cover. Um, it's a toss-up in the other games. I think you say UMC and UCLA over just makes sense. I think there's going to be a lot of three-pointers, a lot of running. Both teams are perfectly fine with it. And you give me a good number at 141.5. I actually got it at 141 earlier in the week. That's my game for tonight. Biggest line movement, which 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 team has has had the biggest movement all week? Well, that's the Iowa State. It opened up at Iowa State minus one. They were the favorite. Not only did they go back and cross a zero, now it's inflated, and they're getting helium on Miami. Where this is getting, I found threes out there. If you like <laughs> Miami, you could get a nice middling opportunity there as well. But everybody seems to be liking Miami, and it's not only the t number of tickets; it's the big money. People are coming in, and there's going to be even more. At the end of the day, you're going to be the TV ratings are going to be fantastic for UNC UCLA, but the late money is going to come in, and people are going to be pounding. Well, you know, my bailout play—it's going to be Miami. The world 
world's going to be on Miami. I think it's a dangerous situation. Tom Barton, Sports Garden Network with us. Final thing for you, Tom, as we go into the Elite Eight, as the, the opening lines opened up for tomorrow's games, anything stand out to you? What, what did you pounce on immediately? Yeah, look, I like Villanova. You know, I have taken plus money any day of the week. I think Connor Gillespie, now that he's healthy, is the best player on the court. I know everybody loves Houston. A little bit of recency bias there as well. So I took him at the plus two and a half. It's back down to two a little bit. And, you know, the total in the Arkansas-Duke game, everyone wants – I heard you say, Jonathan, earlier in the show, you expect a running game, lots of scoring. Yeah, and total started at 147. It's up to 148 and a half, 149 in some places already. So if you like the over, jump on that early because I think that's another game late tomorrow. People are going to go, well, what do I like? I'm not sure who's going to win, but I'm jumping on the over. Should I stay away from the over-under in Villanova-Houston? It's at 128 right now. Yeah, I looked at it too. Um, it kind of depends. You know, I keep hearing Houston's a great defensive team, great defensive team. They are, and so is Villanova, and they slow it down. But 128 and a half, I mean, you're talking about a 64-64 overtime game. It's just, it's a low, low, low number. Yeah. Is it there to scare you off? Yeah, possibly. I'm playing under or nothing, but for me, I'm a little nervous. Sportsgarden.com, that's G-A-R-T-E-N. I have an update. Yes. My, my cash out is still unavailable. <laughs> so I'm screwed. They're watching. Edge, hey, hey edge, tell edge your, tell your I'm, announce I'm doing, that up doing. there. I just, I just went over. I just went over in UNC-UCLA. So I did, too. Maybe that'll make up the difference for my loss. Yeah, my that'll determine whether we have you back next week. Yeah. Or not. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Tom, uh, great stuff, man. Great seeing you in New York, and uh, let's catch up soon, man. Thanks. Absolutely. Have a good one, guys. Thanks. Yep. Thanks, Tom. Tom Barton there from Sports Garden Network. Uh, again, Garden is G-A-R-T-E-N. Uh, check out their site and all of what they're putting out there on the lines from Vegas and from Atlantic City. Uh, I've been to Atlantic City once. Have you guys been? I know I've been. I was going to say Paul definitely has been couple there, of times. right? Yep. Grew up around there. It's, it's, like more, it's, it's more Philly than it is. Uh, uh, I have never been to Atlantic City. Um, my, you you want to know my experience about Atlantic City when yes, we come please. back? Okay. It's got to be they, fight related. It was, my, they, it was not fight related. It was my first casino experience. Are they nicer in Atlantic City than they are at Newark International Airport? In my experience there? Uh, we'll, we'll hear about maybe. it. We'll, we'll, we'll save it maybe. for the next segment. Yeah, it's coming up. Plus, they blew we'll, up uh, the chicken, man. We'll, we'll look ahead to tomorrow's matchups for the Elite Eight as well. Big weekend preview straight ahead on OutKick 360. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time, the Roast of Tom Brady, a Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You always remember your first. Outkick 360 rolls on. Uh, my first trip inside of a casino, I, was, uh, I stood by the entrance with security while certain family members went in and played a little slots. Um, I was... Under the age of 18, we were in Atlantic City on our way to Philly or somewhere. And, um, you know, when you have the itch, you have the itch. And I don't blame them. Like, I, I would do the same thing today. But the security guard would not let me go in with, uh, with a family member I won't name. And That's it, good, I, I good stood, thing not to name them. <laughs> I stood at the uh, entrance to the casino in Atlantic City watching all the lights. 
um, breathing in all of the oxygen, not seeing a clock in sight, and was mesmerized. And I've been, you know, I've been in love with them ever since. How old were you at the time? 16 or 17. And were you clearly 16 or 17? Yeah, I mean, I, I wasn't whipping out my fake ID in front of my family. So, yeah, I was 16 he or 17. He didn't have the beard when he yeah. was 16, so yeah. he couldn't uh, walk right in. Yeah, I had, uh, I had my driver's license, but that That's was... That's a real itch. Uh, that's a real itch from your family member that they just no, it was, stopped you, you know, at security and said, you sit here, I got, was, some, I got was, some business It was about an hour, and I, I respect it. I respect the move. Like, I... Uncle uh, Uncle Tommy's got to go. Got to punch the time card here for a little bit, little Johnny. <laughs> time for me to go hit the slots. While uh, you, you sit you back know here what's with really great? Uh, Atlantic I'm City. The bells and whistles. Let's go check this out. Uh, okay, but Jonathan, you stand here. Stay right. Well, I, it was it was implied that I would be able to go in right. and not you know not at gamble, least an observer. Right? Uh, yeah, I could observe, just not sit down at a slot machine or a table. Well, and, these days you can. No, the, the the security job. Uh, the the guy may be. He did his job well. Let's put it that way. I've got a few questions. Was this on the way to something, or was this a special trip? Like, did you detour to go to a, an Atlantic no, City casino? No, we went casino? to, like, we went to D.C. Well, there was just, like, we an were, exit. Hey, we'll stop here. We went to D.C. From where? Uh, we went to, well, we were visiting family in Virginia Beach, and we went to D.C., and then up to Philly, and then stayed in Delaware. We went all over the place. But Atlantic we, City's not on we, the way to a lot of up, places. You we ended up in Atlantic City. So this was a special trip. Is what I'm oh, it was yeah. a special trip. But Couldn't it was, even leave it you was back fun. in the hotel. No, we did, did the boardwalk. We did more than just go to the casino. But Get some yeah. taffy. This guy yeah. did do his job in two ways. He kept a kid out of the casino, and he planted a seed that has been fruitful for casinos ever since. So well, my full, ex- think my about full this. knowledge extent of Atlantic City is from Boardwalk Empire on HBO with Steve Buscemi in that time frame in the early 1900s, 1920s, 19-teens, 20s, 30s. I have no knowledge of current, present-day well, it's, it's no Atlantic Vegas. City. It's no Vegas. It, it's no Vegas. But it, for if you've never been to, to a, a casino, casino before, yeah. you've only seen, seen movies, right? I mean, it was eye-opening. I was like, absolutely, I'm in. Well, it's I'm much in. better then than it is There's now. someone else who has that same story about a Tunica casino. <laughs> like, never been to Vegas, but the first time I laid eyes on the Golden Nugget down in Tunica. <laughs> is that even one of the ones well, in Tunica? in its day, it, it was, was breathtaking. dominated places like Tunica. It's, it's bad now, from what I've heard. Golden Nugget is where, it's where we stayed in Vegas in the old city whenever I was traveling with the arena football team, the Nashville Cats. Uh, Mike Keith and I, voice of the Titans, stayed at the Golden Nugget. Wow! Uh, the team did as well. Old Town Vegas. The team did as well. Uh, normally, you know, you're you're staying outside and you bus in or whatever. No, this was if you you know you wanted to hang out with the team, you went down to the casino and you got your interviews my mom, down there. My mom worked summers in Atlantic City during like high school or college. Cigarette girl, <laughs> maybe. <laughs> She had one of the big hey. cigarette, all the cartons. On but there was something terrible. We covered this at Midday 180. Like there was I don't a, think your mom's horse, that old, by the way. A horse going off, like uh, jumping into a pool. It was really... Uh, <laughs> Peter would have had a field day oh, like with a circus? it if they existed. Yeah, like a... It, it was awful. I watched it, and I sent it to <laughs> this her. This is not like, like a Tijuana horse this? show. <laughs> no, no, no. Okay, good. No. Yeah, that's not my mom's style at all. I was like, have you seen she this? And she's like, horse. oh, yeah, I saw that every summer. Oh, by the way, I bring the story up not not to complain. I, I, yeah, got in I, your I love the cells. Yeah, it was my first my first experience in Jersey. I love that you and Mike Keith were staying in the one Vegas casino that was still run by the mob in the early two thousands. Probably. Yeah, we stayed in the old city. It was operated by uh, the Kansas City mob. When I say we stayed there, we were we we went with the team. The team stayed there. Like that was yeah, that's that's arena football. 
Absolutely. Hotels. Yeah, absolutely. You're not staying at they weren't paying. They, they weren't staying on the strip. They they could afford it. <laughs> you're not staying at the Bellagio. No, no. With the Never mind Cats. that. I mean, the Pro Bowl was in Vegas this year, and they didn't stay on the strip. <laughs> That's how bad it was. They stayed an hour oh. forty five minutes away from the strip, but everybody bugged out and went and got their own place on the strip. Dwayne on Twitter says uh, Jonathan's relative, and it's a picture of Uncle Buck <laughs> who took the kids to the track. If you remember Uncle Buck. Speaking of Macaulay Culkin, that's twice Macaulay Culkin's come up on the show today. Who was in Uncle Bob? I mean, in the you can get seat. him in every segment if you want. Yeah, hey, Paul's it. headed to uh, the NFL owner meetings uh, early next week, uh, starting on Monday. We'll have reports there uh, with all of the, the big headlines. The biggest one that we're all uh, intrigued by are the rules changes and what could happen in overtime. That's, that seems to be the big headline that everyone's going to want to discuss next week. Two proposals for both teams to touch the ball in overtime. One proposal from uh, our hometown, Tennessee Titans, that you could end overtime with a touchdown only if you then topped it off with a two-point conversion. Hey, biggest surprise, what do you guys think it will be whenever we get on Monday for the NCAA tournament? Arkansas in the final four. Yeah, I have Arkansas there too. starting to think maybe Iowa State winning tonight. It's, there's going to be something bigger than that. I think there'll be a bigger surprise in Arkansas in the Final Four, but that's the one I'm leaning towards right now. Can you imagine if it's St. Peter's against? Oh my goodness! You know, Carolina or UCLA. I mean, that'd be great. If they're going to go ahead and win tonight and wreck my parlay, then dance right on to the Final Four. It's 19 bucks you're talking about. Providence takes on Iowa State for the right to the Final Four. I do think Providence wins. I think Kansas gets it done. Pump up Friars. Have a great weekend. We'll recap it all with you on Monday for Outkick 360 across the Outkick Network. Listen, do not block the box, but lock your locks.